0: Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com bradybros and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash bradybros. Hello and welcome back to the Brady Bros Boston Sports Podcast, where we cover everything in the Boston sports world. My name is James Brady, and alongside me is my brother Nicholas. Say hello.
1: Hello, everybody. Today is Monday, April 27th, and this is episode 55. And James, uh,
0: this isn't quite a normal episode, is it? No, we got a little special surprise at the end, so make sure to stick around. We probably don't have much news to cover because... We don't! The world's still shut down, but we got something fun at the end, so make sure you stick around... Without further ado, I'm going to say it for the first time, give me that intro. We will start off as we always do with the Boston Red Sox and the report, the verdict of this, uh, this investigation that's been going on for far too long. It seems was supposed to be done before spring training, then at the end of spring training and then before the season and before then... season and then everything shut down. But what comes with that is the Red Sox basically, they didn't find anything. They, I don't think they found... They clearly found something... Well... Much.
1: They didn't found anything... Didn't found? Find. They didn't find anything that we didn't already know. Because we yeah. knew of the whole, like, sign stealing thing during the year or whatever. Yeah. Uh, And there was that whole thing. But upon further investigation, they couldn't find anything else. And, I mean, it kind of sucks. We got uh, stripped of a second round draft pick and the replay operator responsible for whatever showing like <laughs> uh, yeah, illegally legally using know. the replay room I uh was suspended clue. for the 2020 season along with that in the non-red sox news i guess because he's no longer the mayor manager alex Cora is suspended for the 2020 season for well.
0: for his things with the astros not guilty of anything on the red sox oh that's right I, only that's for his right. time on the astros so you know what that means Alex Cora coming back 2021, baby. It's happening.
1: Yeah, dude. He might. I mean, we keep joking about like Mookie Betts might not
0: like play a game in a
1: Dodgers uniform. But like the more the we time might goes not, on. We might not get managed by another manager other than Alex Cora.
0: Yeah. I, I It's crazy. uh I mean, nothing really has, has come forward still about the 2020 season. We'll talk about in a, in a couple minutes here. A lot of other leagues are starting to make kind of moves or at least say like here's an idea of what we might do other than the whole arizona plan which i don't really think has a lot of support right now i don't there's nothing else being proposed for the foreseeable future but i mean baseball very long season and they still have quite a lot of time to figure out what they're gonna do so
1: yeah it's mostly just speculation around dates and to give you an idea basically it's starting with like the most ambitious obviously being like the middle of may which Probably definitely is not going to happen. And then everyone's just like two weeks out from like each day. So like people are saying middle of May and some people are saying June 1st and some people are saying June 15th and then like July 1st. So it's just in two yeah, week increments basically. Uh, so, yeah, nothing, nothing on the MLB front in terms of when we are going to see some form of baseball. Uh, we mentioned previously the the Asian leagues that are currently uh, getting back into the swing of things, pun intended there. Of course. Uh, how many times have we used that on this? Probably too many. <laughs> so many. I think we should just... Uh, but other than that, nothing uh, Nothing on this side of of an ocean in terms of baseball yet, but we will keep you updated as we don't get any more news. Uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up for the Red Sox and the MLB. Uh, just a side note, uh, don't forget what the Astros did. They are still pieces of garbage. Now we will move
0: right into pun intended on that one too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I didn't even realize. I'm just on a roll today. I'm gonna move on to the uh, Celtics now. I'm gonna steal this. Go for uh, it. The NBA is allowing practice facilities to be reopened in areas that have loosened social restrictions. I believe on May 1st, on May 1st. Yes. yes. So basically any states that like remove the lockdown orders and are allowing people to go out with some like you know, social distancing encouraged, but like not exact lockdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, practice facilities will be allowed to open, but the only thing is like a lot of the places that have these major sports, like cities, are are the places they're gonna be in the lockdown the longest. Yeah, New like,
1: York, like, like the
0: Knicks, Boston, Boston. The Knicks who
1: need to practice and they can't. Uh, <laughs> they
0: yeah, need to, they need to sell the. Yeah, team. But we're we're
1: talking teams here. Like my guess is like Minnesota, kind of those smaller market teams. Maybe maybe Phoenix because we've mentioned uh, you know how. The MLB was proposed to play there, so place is not hit as hard, but this is very reassuring that we are getting back into something, some form of structured sports.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good sign, but I'm also just worried that you're going to go back and the second you get another Rudy Gobert, that's like is oh, that the yeah. season there like if one player gets it because you know they're going to be out in the town the idea is to keep it like as restricted as possible and it's just practice and stuff you're going from your house to practice back to your house mm-hmm. but even with that you have training staff coming in that kind of stuff like it, it just takes, takes one. one yeah
1: yeah and we've said it before we'll say it again also i'm sure there will be very specific guidelines in terms of of testing whether it's weekly, bi-weekly, uh, Before they start this whole practice situation, before they get into real games, my guess is you're going to see a lot of testing of these players uh, to make sure that no one has obviously contracted the disease.
0: Yeah, Uh, I don't think there's much else going on. Celtics, uh, NBA wide, I guess. The Last Dance is still airing. I think, two, what you say? Two more episodes came out every Sunday. Yeah, so,
1: so we're half halfway through the documentary now.
0: Everyone's going crazy. It's popping up all over social media. I cannot go on anything without just seeing The Last Dance, The Last Dance memes. And just stuff Michael Jordan said about other said people. Said did, yeah. Crazy guy. Anyways, we will move on to the Bruins in just a second. But quickly, a word from our sponsor. And we were getting into the other half of the TD Garden with the Boston Bruins. And I gotta start off. We're gonna stray off the document here, but I watched the rewatch of the 2011 Stanley Cup, which I thought was gonna be like a joke. I thought it was gonna be pretty dumb. I forgot to this Them too, on yeah. Zoom. It was yep. called like Locker Room Time Machine presented by Bud Light. I thought this was gonna be super dumb. iTunes in. Has to be one of the greatest things I've seen in a while. Just uncut and so entertaining.
1: Yeah, it was, like you I, I, like you said, I wasn't sure how serious it was going to be type of thing. It just kind of was going to be all them, you know, just just kind of being like their, like their, that, that media pr- uh, persona, I guess that they put forward kind of, you know, like answering, well, not answering questions because no one's asking, but just them watching the game, catching up type of thing. So much more. They were ragging on each other. Oh, they, were they had nicknames in the Zoom each other. Call. It
0: was so funny.
1: Uh and uh, at the and also the whole premise was they were rewatching that game 7 of the Stanley Cup versus the Vancouver Canucks. Uh and we can't find like a re-one. No, they took Rewon. it down
0: because it was it was extremely uncut, extremely it was not really it was explicit. It was explicit. It was not exactly meant for the average wasn't, viewer wasn't and it wasn't TV ready. It was not TV ready by any means, but it was incredible if you were there. Uh, I hope that someone has like, uh,
1: someone smart out there was recording,
0: recording it, it or has a uh, some version of it that they can post because I would watch it back in a heartbeat. We'll get into actual NHL stuff. They're considering following in the NBA's footsteps. I'm guessing that's in reference to the the practice, our practice facilities. facilities, but yes. nothing has really been said yet.
1: Uh, we can this week we should get some more uh, updated NHL news or just some sort of statement, basically because. Uh, a couple weeks ago, or I guess it must have been last episode, we talked about how they were extending the the mandatory self-isolation date for teams and players and uh, staff and that sort of thing. Uh, well, that's up on May, or May, geez, April 30th, which is this coming Thursday. So we can expect before that some sort of information from the NHL on what the next steps will be, whether it's another two weeks, whether they'll do something similar with the uh, like the NBA is doing in terms of these practice facilities, Uh, so we'll just have to wait until uh, the next couple of days to get that. I'm sure the second we hit, uh, stop recording, some sort of news will drop. Crazy news will break between what happens.
0: Seven a.m. tomorrow. Uh,
1: Going back to something else that was mentioned previously, the whole kind of one one host area or host state, if you will. Apparently, that idea is out. And uh, it makes sense. Apparently, New Hampshire and Minnesota were two of, like, the ones being considered. That's how you know it was a bad idea. Well, neither of those – I was reading some sort of article today, I believe it was on ESPN, about this this idea. There's no way there's enough. These two states don't have the infrastructure. Like, they need to have amenities nearby that are up to, quote-unquote, NHL standards. There aren't any in New Hampshire. And I don't know that there is a nice place to stay in New Hampshire. I know there's nice places to stay, but not not up to – NHL standards, uh, Minnesota, I can imagine kind of being out there state is, uh, they're spread pretty thin as well in terms of population and, and, those sort of amenities. Uh, but the, the flip side to this is apparently the NHL wants to possibly, I want to preface this with saying I'm not, not a hundred percent on this and I doubt that they are either uh, on co- on kind of a couple of small hubs where you get a couple teams in the same, same area playing games within just those, three, four, five, six teams. We didn't really mention a number. And that way you're still uh, containing those groups, but you're also not all in one exact area. And you can there. find different places where you can stagger the games a little bit better. Uh, that whole one area or whole state isn't overloaded with suddenly all those people trying to uh, play professional hockey in what must be limited uh, venues.
0: And I think that wraps up for the Bruins. We'll move into close to the end here with the Patriots. And honestly, the heartbreak continues. Rob Gronkowski last week uh, announced he was coming out of retirement to play, not for the Patriots, but for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. going to go link up with his good buddy, Tom Brady. Uh, so he technically was still on the Patriots. So we sent him and the seventh round pick. Uh, to Tampa Bay in exchange for a fourth-round pick, both of those being in this past 2020 draft. And I'm very sad by this move. I would have almost rathered him stay retired.
1: I would have 100% rather him but, stay reti- retired. you know,
0: it'll be exciting to see him back, too, and see if he can come back. I think it makes sense.
1: From And we talked about this pretty much the second the news dropped. As a fan, this is just another blow in what has been uh, – in very not. Patriots fashion, a terrible off season.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but if you think about it from the team's perspective, you are able to turn uh, this retired player, something, something, someone who you were literally getting nothing for. You were still paying him, but he wasn't going to bring you any. You are able to get something out of that. So from a team, from a managerial standpoint, it's a good move to turn basically nothing into something, if you will.
0: Um but, yeah, as a fan, this this hurts. Yeah, it definitely sucks. But also, you have to keep in mind that Rob Gronkowski, not a real serious guy, and I think he'll – it will be a very different environment being in Tampa Bay, probably being a little bit more lax situation than in New England. It's sunnier. It's nice. Gronk can go out and party, do all his do Yo Soy does. Fiesta moments. You know how it is. But – We will see him linking up with Tom Brady. I mean, if the 2020 NFL season even happens at this point, who knows? And I mean,
1: if you're just a fan of football in general, this is kind of a cool to see one of the, that, that duo back in action will be, will be exciting.
0: Yeah. Well, it doesn't get any better. James Devlin earlier today announced his retirement from, from, from professional football. Once again, kind of makes sense. A guy that has struggled with neck injuries recently missed most of last season after having neck surgery and apparently just wasn't in a good enough state that he felt comfortable coming back to football for his own health, for his family, all that kind of stuff, which makes sense. Uh, Incredible player. It was always awesome seeing him a beast in the backfield. Every once in a while, he'd get the ball for like a one-yard run up the middle for the score, but going to be sad to see him go. I think it makes sense why we kind of dealt for a fullback earlier on from green bay if i remember correctly
1: probably the organization probably had some inkling and this is kind of a theme i think we're seeing along sports um players are given with this situation obviously they have a lot more time on their hands now so i think those players that are kind of on the on the cusp maybe are just weighing their options kind of thing and uh we were just talking off off this show i guess uh steve pierce also retired we forgot to mention that because Again, in Ultimate Brady Bros. fashion, our recording failed last week. Uh, so that's why there was no episode. We forgot to mention that. So t- uh, kind Thank of you, bouncing. Steve Pierce. Thank you. Yeah, World Series MVP. I mean, what more can you say? Uh, James Devlin retires also. We covered that. Uh, do you want to get into the NFL draft now, I guess?
0: I guess. And for this, I know you probably expect a big draft breakdown, uh i'm gonna start with just kind of listing the people we took i don't follow college football enough to tell you anything about these guys i can do some more research in like the next week because we also signed a bunch of undrafted people. yeah i saw that like two so i can kind years. of take uh, a week let, uh, let us preface up. this with uh guys we we tried to watch it we gave it, it we gave it an effort. it was so it was bad. terrible uh anyways we will start off so the patriots uh Traded down their first-round pick, and I'm really glad I didn't watch the three hours that led up to that that night. Uh, so our first pick was in round two. Pick number 37, we took Kyle Duggar, a safety from Lenore Ryan. Uh, D2 school was our first pick in the NFL draft. Yep. And I'm just going to rifle off picks here. Uh, Josh Yuch. U- youch. <laughs> I have no clue. Uh, linebacker from Michigan Anfernee Jennings, Devin Asa, I have no clue how to say any of these. Uh, We took two tight ends. Fifth round, we took a kicker. Took some offensive linemen, couple of linebackers, and a center. Uh, Also, we did sign some free agents. Uh, Pardon me, undrafted players, so... Like I said, we'll get a little bit more time to catch up on this, get some ideas. So hopefully, we'll have some exciting talent coming in at tight end as well as the kicker position. And the guys got big shoes to fill. For being honest,
1: yeah, I mean, Vinatari to Goskowski. We saw some struggles with with the kicking game. It was this past year, right? Yeah, we had cycling what, through a bunch what's of kickers his name there and a, Nick Falk. Oh my god! Uh, and so hopefully, this brings some sort of. Uh, What's what's the consistency? That's the word to the to the kicking, the kicking position game yeah. that we lacked uh, this past year. But I mean, this this whole season in general, in this this Patriots team is going to be
0: it's going to be very interesting. Yep, it's going to be interesting. And my favorite, I'll quickly throw this in kind of before we get out of this. But uh, in an interview after the draft, it was noted that the Patriots did not take a quarterback. Everyone's saying, "Oh, so is uh is Jarrett Stidham your guy?" And Belichick just said. Not drafting a quarterback was not by design. So I think just how the cards uh, fell, a lot of people the Patriots had pursued, had interest in, they didn't end up with. So I think this team will be an interesting one with a lot to prove. But that is going to wrap it up for the Patriots and quickly... A Very exciting announcement. We have a segment that will be pretty consistent over the next couple of weeks where we are making a bracket of the best Boston sports moments, 16 from each team, Red Sox, Celtics, Bruins, Patriots. We will kind of discuss them, advance them along like a March Madness bracket. So without further ado, guys, here you go. All right. And now we're getting into a special part of the podcast. We are doing a bracket breaking down the best moments in Boston sports history, we are joined with my brother, of course, and my good friend, Ed say, what's up.
2: What's up? What's up? little stool. Little
0: <laughs> that's the tag. And then I got to put a couple of disclaimers out here. First things first, most of these moments are from within our lifetimes, our viewing experience of these teams. So if there's some really big moments that were left out of this list, it's just because I felt that there were other moments that might have been more relevant to our lifetime watching sports. And second of all, the seating is definitely a little bit wacky in certain places where I did my best to try to make it as unbiased and, and as fair as possible. But there's going to be certain times where just the seating probably doesn't line up exactly with how it should. That's my fault. But honestly, I did the best I could. So that's that. We're going to get into it, we're going to start off with the Red Sox, so what I'll do is I will read out the the seedings, the moments, and then have input from each of you, I will input if a tiebreaker is needed, that's that, you guys already know how this works, let's be honest. Alright, starting off with the Red Sox, number one moment, back to folk, Red Sox fans have longed to hear it, the last play of the 0-4 World Series, which crowned the Red Sox champions, Versus the number sixteen seed, Clay Buckles throwing a no hitter in his second career start. Nicholas, we'll start off with you. Uh
1: well, in ultimate Brady Bros fashion, this is our second It's take our second at this. time doing it, yeah. Uh so this gave me some time to re-watch all the moments. I gotta say, Buckholz's no hitter was electric, like the stadium was bumping, but I mean eighty six years in the making. Back to folk.
0: Okay, that's for you, Ed, for you. Come on. Winning a World
2: Series breaking the curse of the babe it's got to be back to full
0: it's easy i yeah. love clay
2: buckles but you can't beat that you can't be yeah that. Uh,
0: looking at this i don't think we're gonna have any 16 over one upsets here so uh no. moving on this one will be interesting we got the number eight seed ben attendee's 2018 alcs game four game saving catch that was a lot Versus the number nine seed, Shane Victorino's Grand Slam in game six of the ALCS. This one this one was a bit of a debate last time. So over to Ed, we'll have you start it off.
2: This one is still so tough. On one hand, uh, 2018, so fresh in the mind, Ed Intendi, my favorite player on the Sox right now. And that catch was incredible. It was a walk-off catch. It sealed the game. But on the other hand, that 2013 year was so just – that year was so much fun to watch. I love that t- love that team. Shane Victorino, the flying Hawaiian, coming in clutch with that Grand Slam. But I'm going to go Benintendi just because I, I love him. That was a great play. That won the game. That was huge.
0: Nicholas, you?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go Benintendi as well. That literally like... – I said this last time, if he misses that catch, they lose. Yeah. And that was sure. like a highlight real catch for for that season. So yeah, Ben catch.
0: Yeah, uh, Ben Attendee's catch for me too. The, I mean, the Victorino Grand Slam, when you watch it back, it's so exciting too, because that, that was basically like them jumping ahead and kind of sealing that series, it felt like. But I got to go Benny's catch as well. Moving on, number five seed Chris Sale's ninth inning in game five of the 2018 World Series. Versus number 12, John Lester's no-hitter after beating cancer. Nicholas, over to you to start it off.
1: Oh, it's got to be Chris Sale's ninth inning uh, in game five. Striking out Manny Machado, striking out the side. And just classic Chris Sale looked like he, like no one was even going to make contact with the ball. I mean, Turner did on his last pitch, but uh, just domination, really.
0: Ed?
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with Chris Sale on this one. I love John Lester. I've seen him pitch, but Chris Sale striking out Machado to end the World Series. like I don't think you could have drawn it up any better with all the controversy and stuff that the Red Sox have run into with Machado. It's got to be Chris Sale.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go Chris Sale here as well. The Lester story is absolutely incredible and you, you can't really take away from that, but... Striking out three straight batters in Chris Sale, of course, ending it where he was the one who started it too. So, like you said, that you really could not have drawn up a better ending to the series. Chris Sale's ninth inning going to take the cake there. Moving on, we got number four, David Ortiz's. This is our effing city speech, and the number thirteen, Dustin Pedroia's home run to start the 07 World Series. Over to Ed to start it off.
2: Uh once again. Dustin Pedroia, my favorite all-time Red Sox player. Have his autograph. Was so lucky to meet him. But I got to go with Ortiz's speech. I mean, that was it set the tone right out of the gates for that whole season after the marathon bombing. Um, and then that game 2 with Daniel Nava's go ahead home run. It, yeah, Ortiz's speech.
1: Yeah, I got to agree. David Ortiz is the most most Red Sox guy you've ever seen, really. And then what that meant to not just the team, but like to the city and I don't want to like overstate, but like everyone as well was just so big.
0: Yeah, that that's something that so gets me watching that back to this day. It still really strikes a chord with me. I mean, I'm not even like from Boston, just being a fan of Boston living near Boston. I mean, it it really Hits home for me. Not to take away from Pedroia's, I mean, rookie season in 07, I believe. Hitting a home run to start the World Series, which they swept. Great moment, but it's, it's a tough matchup for sure. And gotta go with Ortiz's speech there. Moving on, we got the number six seed. It's time to party versus the number 11 seed. Shane Victorino's World Series game six bases clearing double. Nicholas, I think you're up on this one.
1: Yeah, uh, this is a tough one because I get, like the Mookie Bet's Grand Slam and that call is so fresh in your mind. But I think I'm going to go with Victorino's bases clearing double just because I, I think the implications were a lot bigger. The stakes were a lot higher. Um, but, I mean, love Mookie Betts and everything. Uh, but World Series base clearing double, yeah.
0: Ed, you?
2: Yep, going flying Hawaiian on this one. Shane Victorino. Um I didn't pick him last time, so I feel bad. But <laughs> again, that 2013 World Series was just that was something else. Um, that bets that bets uh, Grand Slam was obviously incredible against Toronto that night. I still remember it really well. But Victorino hitting that double was just huge off the wall.
0: Yeah, for me this was really tough. I mean, it's time to party. Probably one of my favorite calls of all time. But when you guys bring up, you know, the weight of the moment. Mookie Betts' grand slam came in just the middle of the season, I'm pretty sure. Whereas this came in Game Six, the the winning game for the Red Sox of the World Series. You gotta you gotta take into account the just the way of the moment, like you said. So Victorino's bases clear and double. We'll be moving on to the next round. Next up, we have number three, Dave Roberts steals second base versus Joe Kelly uh being I believe is Tyler Austin starting the brawl, I believe Ed is up on this one, I think let we'll me just go with that
2: Dave <laughs> Roberts, any day stealing that base that changed the whole series, being down three games, coming back from that. Dave Roberts started it all. Joe Kelly again, I loved watching him play, he was like. He he was kind of crazy, and that fight was one of the most memorable things I've watched on live TV. Just seeing him just go at Tyler Austin and just calling him out to come fight him was great. But Dave Roberts stealing second, thats you can't beat that.
0: Nicholas? You can't beat it. Dave Roberts
1: stealing second was – maybe the the biggest play in red sox history i don't know i can't i can't quote the 80 years before me but more
0: than 80 dog but yeah i mean i gotta go robert still second i think i'm safe to say that none of us watched that happen but like two things the first that you can go back and point to that single moment saying that's where it all changed that to me is incredible and also that like the fact that none of us watched that happen live, but it feels like we did just cause we've seen it so many times. We're so familiar with it that it's it's gotta win there. We'll move on though. We got another brawl coming up. We have number seven seed, Jason Veritek versus A Rod versus the number ten seed, Roger Clemens throwing at twenty strikeouts. Nicholas, you're up.
1: Yeah, the Clemens thing is one of those few things on here that predates us kind of thing, so it doesn't ring as is clearly in our minds. Uh, I'm going to go with the Veritech and A Rod brawl just for, I mean, that defines that Yankees Sh- Red Sox rivalry. And I, I absolutely love that.
0: Yeah. Uh, Ed? Uh,
1: yeah, I'm going to agree with Veritech
2: versus A Rod. That was a peak in the Red Sox Yankee rivalry. The iconic photo of Veritech just mm-hmm. going right up in A Rod's face. Uh, Roger Clemens, 20 strikeouts. Obviously incredible to throw 20 strikeouts in a game. Um, but Veritek versus A-Rod. Huge moment in Red Sox-Yankees history.
0: Yeah, for me, it's got to be Veritek-A-Rod as well. Just It really just crowned like the hatred between these two teams. And it's almost something I've been like waiting for since. I've been waiting for that moment. So that's why the Joe Kelly thing was very exciting uh, for for us. I'd say, but think that Jason Veritek going at A-Rod really just was the peak of it all in terms of the recent rivalry. So that, a really great movement, moment we will see moving on. And lastly, to finish out the Red Sox section of the bracket, we got number two seed David Ortiz's 2013 Grand Slam in the ALCS versus the number 15 seed Brock Holt's 2018 ALDS hitting for the cycle. Who's up? Ed is up. Ed, Ortiz, up any
2: day. I remember that Grand Slam so clearly, watching that on my TV. Um, when you when he was stepping up to the plate, you just had a feeling that it was going out. You had a really good feeling about that at bat. Um, I love Brock Holt. Griffin is great. His kid. <laughs> uh, and hitting for the cycle against New York was just phenomenal that year. But Ortiz's grand slam was just something magical. Like
0: it was
1: great. Yeah,
0: Nicholas, over to you.
1: Yeah, I think we keep we keep bringing up like that that the stakes at that current moment, and you know, David Ortiz's grand slam was was some of the highest stakes we've seen as of late for the Red Sox. Got to go, David Ortiz. Although, I mean, Brock Holt was my favorite uh, player on the Red Sox until he uh, moved on. But yeah, big poppy.
0: Yeah, it's got to be popular. I've seen this moment a million times, and I will watch it a million more. I mean, bullpen cop. Bullpen cop, that man. Uh, But it's just such a moment towards the end of Ortiz's career and just what he did for this team, the incredible things that he did, how clutch he's been for most of his career. It it was just another moment uh, for the highlight reel for David Ortiz. We will move on, though. Now getting into the Boston Celtics, starting off with the number one seed, Kevin Garnett's "Anything Is Possible" speech versus the 16th seed, and we were really scrambling for stuff at this point. The assembly of the 2017 team with the trade for Kyrie Irving and the signing of Gordon Hayward. Nicholas, you're up first. Take it away for us. I have a guess how this is going to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, as any like true Celtics fans know, knows now that that 2017 team and even the 2018, 2018 team. Pardon me, uh, with Kyrie wasn't exactly I think what we pictured. Uh, did bring us some great, great plays and everything. Uh, this is purely in here, I think, because, like, at the time, Kyrie was the biggest, like, accusation. Accusation? Acquisition. Acquisition. <laughs> I can Probably make some accusations, accusations about Kyrie. Uh, accusation. Oh, geez, Acquisition. Didn't... <laughs> uh, at the time, he I was the like biggest the big pickup by the Celtics. I'm just going to change words here. Uh, but Kevin Garnett's anything
0: possible. I'm beating around the bush here. It's in our intro. How can I, you could have just said it and moved on. We could have just saved that whole moment Ed, over to you. Hopefully you know what words are.
2: (laughs) Um. yeah. I got to go Kevin Garnett's anything is possible after winning the finals. That was great. Um, the assembly of the 2017 team, honestly, I mean, I was excited. We just got Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving, but at the same time it kind of hurt because I loved Isaiah Thomas. Um, my favorite player really in recent Celtics history. Uh, just watching him play with something else. Someone so just he gave it his all every single night and I loved him. But Kevin Garnett.
0: Yeah, for me, I mean I still quote this like to this day. And the twenty seventeen team, that was something where at the time like looking at it, you had the picture, I believe it was with like Kyrie, probably Jalen Brown, I think was in there, Hayward. We had Horford and we're like, this is the team like championship easy we're gonna walk there and then within half the season everything just fell apart so it's got to be the number one but i think at the time the 2017 team as much as we joke about it now it was a huge thing i mean it's probably it's probably like we I but it's one did, of those hindsight's 2020 yeah. moments we'll it was, move on it's
1: probably the biggest team since like the big three or the best team rather since yeah. the big three but yeah we're theoretically i'm just afraid to talk now
0: Eight seed, Paul Pierce's last game in TD Garden. Nine seed, Celtics beating the 76ers in overtime after the 76ers launched confetti, thinking they had won the game. Over to Ed for this one. Uh,
2: Yeah, I'm going to go Paul Pierce's last game in the Garden Uh, because it was just a great send-off. Seeing him come out there, he was a clipper at the time, and he makes the three. The whole Garden goes wild. It was, it was just great. Um, it was so funny watching the 76ers <laughs> launch confetti after they thought they won the game, and then we went on to beat them, but I'm going to go Paul Pierce on this one.
0: Nicholas?
1: I'm going to go the other direction, actually. Call you into this, James, and be the tiebreaker here. Uh, purely for comedic value, <laughs> if you're going to launch confetti, you better win the game afterwards, or even before at that point. Uh, I mean, Paul Pierce incredible Celtic incredible career, but uh, like I said, purely comical reasons. I'm going with the uh, Celtics beating the 76ers after they launched confetti.
0: Yeah, for me, um, I think like the whole 76ers launching confetti thing It was very funny. I remember that night uh, watching the updates and like it said that 76ers had one hitting a three-pointer then it was changed to a two-pointer but the fact that I, like, didn't watch it live and only saw it after knowing, like, reading the headline that the 76ers had launched confetti and then losing the game after, that was funny. But seeing it live would have done a lot more for me. So, Paul Pierce's last game, he's going to take it for me and we'll move on to the next round. Uh, I just think how monumental it was and the fact that he comes in, hits a three-pointer, and then at the end, very emotional, goes, kisses the court. For me, that that takes it. We'll move on To the number 5 seed, Jason Tatum dunking on LeBron in Game 7 of the 2017 Eastern Conference Finals versus number 12, Jalen Brown dunking on Embiid opening night 2018. Nicholas, I think you're up on this one.
1: Uh, For me, this is a tough one. I mean, two of our our young stars that have so much potential and it hurts that we can't watch them right now dunking on two of, of the best basketball players in the league right now. Uh, I'm going to go with Tatum just cause I, of like, I mean, that was a huge moment. Gave him seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, we ended up losing, but like he dunked on LeBron and he, and then went up to LeBron after and said kind of, well, gave him that like, Got know, like his face, yeah. look at me, look what I just did kind of thing. Uh, that was huge. I think.
0: Ed, over to you.
2: Yeah. Jason Tatum dunking on LeBron. I love that 2017 playoff run. It was just so much fun. Brown's dunk on Embiid, it was great. 76ers-Boston rivalry, but Tatum going over LeBron in 2017, it's got to be that.
0: Yeah, and to bring it bring it full circle, also, that was Tatum's rookie year. And to go up against probably the best active player in the league and dunk over him, that's one of those moments where like your idols become your peers and then you just dunk over him, which I absolutely love over LeBron's stupid, stupid head. Anyways, we'll move on. Moving on to the four seed. Game four of the 2008 finals. Celtics come back from 24 points down versus number 13. Scary Terry Rozier buries a three-pointer for the lead against the Bucs. Who is up on this one? I think it's Ed. Yeah, I believe it's Ed.
2: Uh, I'm going to go with Rozier's three-pointer because that was just hype. Scary Terry, I love I love Terry Rozier. Watching him play, uh, the two thousand eight finals. I'm gonna be honest. I was not a huge Celtics fan until that year. Really, um, bandwagon. I was much more invested in the team with Scary Terry when that all happened. So I'm gonna go with Rozier's three pointer.
0: Nicholas,
1: yeah, I am again. Kind of just like what happened because of that. Uh, it came like it gave us Scary Terry and all this stuff after that. So that's that's kind of what's fresh in my mind.
0: Okay, yeah. So Terry Rozier is going to take that. The, the biggest upset so far, I think one of the only upsets, 13 over four there. Moving on, though. And next up, we have the number six seed, Ray Allen, breaking the all-time three-point record versus 11 seed, the 2017 playoff run without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. Nicholas, you're starting us off.
1: Yeah, Ed said it earlier, that 2017 team and that run uh, without Kyrie and Hayward, basically watching our young guys do their thing with, you know, that one leader and Horford on the court, it uh, doesn't get much better than that. Not to take away from Ray Allen, but it was kind of just like, it was one of those things like going in the game, like you, you knew he was going to probably hit it. So, um, and, and even before that, you knew he was going to get there. So for me, it's the 11-2017 playoff team without Kyrie and Hayward.
0: Ed, over to you
1: uh yeah i'm gonna go 2017 playoffs that had again
2: that playoff series was just so much fun to watch with all the young guys coming up with hayward going down early in the season kyrie leaving right before playoffs and just 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 to see it all unfold was just a lot of fun um ray allen breaking the three-point record obviously incredible but he ditched us for miami so 2017 playoffs. <laughs>
0: All right, yeah. I mean, that 2017 run was was something else. And despite, uh, you know, ending in the Eastern Conference Finals, but I got to say, it was still incredible to watch. Moving on, we got the three seed, the big three being assembled in Boston versus the 14 seed, Marcus Morris's game-winning three-pointer against Oklahoma City. Probably a bit bigger of a moment for Nicholas and I because we were there, but we'll start off with Ed.
2: Uh, yeah, I got to go big three being assembled in Boston. Um Morris's game winner was obviously great against OKC. Um <laughs> but I obviously was not at that game, unlike you guys. Uh so I'm gonna go big three some someone in Boston. That was huge.
0: Nicholas. A bit
1: how can you not go big three? I mean look at what it led to and look at what it gave us.
0: Yeah. Marcus Morris's three pointer was crazy when we were there. It was my first Celtics game, so that was quite a way to start off. But, I mean, the big three. You the, can't...
1: The original super team of the you NBA. can't like. go against that.
0: The number seven seed, Jason Tatum dropping Paul George and nailing a three-pointer to force OT versus the number 10, Jalen Brown dunking on LeBron. Nicholas, you're up.
1: I think we're going to go Jalen Brown on this one. Uh, I think we discussed this last time. I'm not sure we won that game where Jason Tatum hit that three. Really cool to watch him drop one of the one of the best players in the league, and then, you know, kind of step back and do his thing, I guess. But uh, again, one of our young stars dunking on one of the best basketball players of all time—really doesn't get much better than that.
0: Ed, over to you.
2: Yeah, again, I agree. Jalen Brown going over LeBron because uh, I'm I, I should have looked it up. Um, pretty sure we lost that game, even though Tatum dropping Paul George was incredible to watch. But I'm gonna go Jalen Brown.
0: Yeah, I got to go Jalen Brown here also, because this was this year, and it was kind of like a big moment of Jalen Brown's been great all year long. And this was just another thing to add to the list of him dunking over. Once again, one of the best players in the league. It was a great moment. That is going to move on. Last up in the Celtics bracket, we got the number two seed Isaiah Thomas dropping 53 in the Eastern Conference semifinals versus 15 Avery Bradley's game winner in game three of the 2017 Eastern Conference Finals. Ed, over to you to start it off.
2: Uh, I I gotta go Isaiah Thomas. Not even a question in my mind. That like like I was talking about earlier, favorite Celtics player in recent history. He gave it everything he had every single night. And to drop fifty three that night, um, on his sister's birthday after she had passed was just that was something else. Nobody expected him to play. Um, and, like, to, for him to come out there and do that, just, that was incredible.
1: Nicholas, over to you. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. For him to, one, not only play, but then to do that in the game is just, that's another level.
0: Yeah, the emotion that night. The I, That game went to OT. He's a big part of OT and, obviously, the fourth quarter, being the king in the fourth. It's really not a question. I mean, it was one of the most just emotion-filled, meaningful wins in recent Celtics history, in my opinion. I remember watching that game thinking, there's no way he drops more. There's no way he drops more. And he just keeps scoring again and again and again. And it was just an incredible, incredible moment. So that will be moving on.
1: Thank you guys so much for listening. Hopefully you kind of enjoyed that that short sports segment. And then, uh, well, I guess it was all sports. But the short news segment and then kind of our bracket breakdown for this week. We will continue to uh, do that each week until we, we crown that number one moment, I guess. Uh, that being said, thank you all so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Please leave us a rating or some sort of feedback on whatever podcast platform you are using. If you want to keep up with us on social media, our Instagram is Brady bros, Boston. Our YouTube is Brady bros. My Twitter is Brady bros, Nick James's Twitter is James B underscore Boston. Uh, yeah, I can't really think of anything else to say.
0: Nope. We miss you sports. Come back. See ya.